podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Hello and welcome to episode two of our Danny Boyle retrospective podcast specials, Train Spotting. Choo choo. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. We're done. That's the end of this entire fucking series. That was a good um, summary. Uh, I'm your host, Al White. Joining me through the entire Danny Boyle retrospective is Haru Kabe and Alison Holland. And as a special guest, uh, um, for maybe just this one, maybe some others. Who knows? Who knows? Tanner Rashida. Hey. The Honorable <laughs> Tanner Rashida. Um, how you doing, buddy? All right. Yeah? Yep. All hungover? Yep. Little. Per- perfect time to watch train spotting. It's exactly. hungover. Why don't you start drinking before we started watching it? No. Well, technically, how do you cure he did. hangover? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Technically, he was drinking at, what, like five this morning, probably. So, yeah. He's on a, he's on a constant. Um, so, we're actually, uh, where are we today? Or peep behind the curtain. It's twenty seventh of January today, which in the UK is the day Train Spotting Two comes out. So we've timed our retrospective specials to be that we can record this, uh, yeah, just before we go and see Two, so our brains are fresh. And for Tamara, you'd seen Train Spotting before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. ages ago. Ages ago. Yeah. Um, Allison, never seen it not. before. So you have a very interesting perspective now. On, well, after tonight, we're getting to see both yeah. films together. I don't think many people will have seen both of these films on the same day for the, for first, the first time. time. It'd be interesting. Um, so yeah, we've already done Shallow Grave, uh, which went up uh, on last Wednesday, um, and yeah, I'm gonna have to go through the synopsis now of the movie. I've, <laughs> I've been smarter this time, and I've pulled up the Wikipedia synopsis so we can get through it. Um, but just a few basic info first: it came out in 1996, which is technically only a year after um, Shallow Grave yeah. came out in cinemas in January. Um, but this one was a summer movie in the US. Uh, when did it come out in the UK? I'm interested. February. So Jesus Christ, a year's turnover <laughs> um, from release to release of Shallow Grave to Trainspotting. That's pretty, pretty impressive. No. Uh, directed again, obviously, by Danny Boyle, written by John Hodge, who did the screenplay, but based upon the novel by Irvin Welsh. Um, Haruka, you've read the novel? I have read cool. the novel, yes. You might be able to give us some insight into that perspective of it. Um, starring yet again Ewan McGregor but I'm with uh, a whole bunch of new people Ewan Bremner Johnny Lee Miller Kevin McKidd Robert Carlyle Kelly McDonald Peter Mullen again uh, James Cosmo tons of people Shirley Henderson um, Irvin Welsh as Mikey Forrester mm. ah, I didn't know that um, the writers in. what do I? they always get the writers in yeah he likes to get the writers mm. in his films. although he wrote the novel uh, it made a box office of $72 million. It was made for just one and a half million pounds. Wow, that's impressive. It's really impressive, particularly for the time. Well, yeah, I guess it would have stretched a little bit further than music. Is that the way around it works? Um, yeah, so, okay, let's go through the uh, synopsis. Where are we? Um, so, I was, sitting, I was sitting there watching this movie just now and I was trying to think how on earth do you sum up the actual narrative of this film because it's just <laughs> this complete like mess a beautiful mess but like a mess of so many things happening and right from the beginning it kind of feels like a music video like a short film and a sitcom in a way like it feels to me like it's just trying to get across all this information very 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 quickly as if it doesn't have much time to tell the story in but it goes on for two hours but it somehow keeps that energy pretty much going the whole time 
um, which makes it very hard to synopsize <laughs> in narrative mm. fashion because there's so many different scenes and so many bits which you're kind of like well is that important to the story not sure so i'm just going to read what's going on wiki um but it's quite a lot so i'll truncate it a little bit centers on a bunch of heroin addicts uh starting off with mark renton we now have a central character this time on shallow grave we did not uh, his circle of friends were introduced. The amoral con artist Simon Sickboy Williamson, simple-minded, friendly Daniel Spud Murphy, clean-cut athlete Thomas Tommy McKenzie, and psychopath Francis Franco Begbie, um, who likes to pick fights with people who get in his way. Renton decides to quit heroin and buy some opium rectal suppositories from dealer Mikey Forrester to ease the transition. And after his final hit and a violent spell of diarrhea caused by a succession of heroin, he locks himself into a cheap hotel room to endure the withdrawal. He later goes with his friends to a club. Finding that he has a sex drive again, he eventually leaves with a young girl named Diane, um, who turns out to be a 15-year-old schoolgirl. Spud, sick boy, and Renton start using heroin again. Tommy, his girlfriend, dumped him after a chain of events in initiated by Renton, begins using them as well. One day, the group's heroin-induced stupor is abruptly interrupted when Allison, their friend and fellow addict, discovers that her infant daughter Dawn has died from neglect without any of the group noticing. All are horrified, especially sick boy, who is implied to have secretly been Dawn's father. Renton and Spud are caught stealing from a bookshop and arrested. Spud goes to prison, but Renton avoids punishment by entering a drugs interventions program where he is given methadone. Despite support from his family, Renton is desperate for more substantial high, escapes to his drug dealer's flat where he nearly dies of an overdose. His dealer sends him to, an, uh, to the hospital in a taxi cab. After he leaves the hospital, Renton's parents take him home, lock him in his old bedroom, and force him through the withdrawal. Renton goes through several withdrawal symptoms. He has nightmares of Diane singing on the bed and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then people begin to question HIV, which was a big epidemic at the time. Um, as yeah, awareness of the disease was, particularly in Scotland, um, very much in the forefront. Renton is finally roused from his nightmares and hallucinations by his parents who tell him he needs to get tested. Despite years of sharing syringes with other addicts, Renton's tests are negative. Low-spirited, depressed, he visits Tommy, who has succumbed to addiction and is now severely ill and HIV positive. Renton moves to London, takes a job as a property letting agent, begins his new life of sobriety and saves up money on the side while corresponding with Diane. However, Begbie, who has committed an armed robbery and sick boy, now a pimp and drug dealer, move into Renton's bedsit unannounced, much to Renton's annoyance. In Edinburgh, Tommy dies from HIV-related toxoplasmosis, and the three travel back to Scotland for his funeral. They meet Spud, who has been released from prison. Sick boy suggests a lucrative but dangerous heroin transaction. Transaction? Transaction? <laughs> no. Uh, but needs Renton to supply half of the initial £4,000. Renton injects himself with a sample to test the heroin's purity. The four sell the heroin to a dealer in London for £16,000. During their celebration at a pub, Renton secretly suggests to Spud that they steal the money, but Spud is too scared of Begbie to even consider it. Finally fed up with his friends, Renton uh, steals the money in the middle of the night while everyone else is sleeping. Spud wakes up just as Renton is leaving the hotel room. The pair stare at each other for a few moments until Renton walks out and Spud remains silent. When Begbie awakes, he destroys the hotel room in a violent rage and is taken away by the police. Spud and Sick Boy flee, and Renton in re reiterates his vow and uh, the voiceover from the beginning of the film to live a stable, traditional life and leave Spud £2,000 behind. Do we know it's £2,000? Is that in the book, maybe? No, no, of course. He, the, the dealer guy said that each one's 2000 so oh, so yeah. 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 Why don't they leave him 4000 Because they got 16000 and Spud's cut of that should have been 4000 <laughs> That's just true. Because he's a dick, as he he's does say asshole. in the final. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I tried to be fair to him. All right. How so much is that now? Would you think? 
it like well with inflation yeah i don't know i don't think it i still i remember distinctly at the time even and even as a teenager because it came out year 96 i was 16 like that didn't you know it seemed like a lot of money but it didn't seem like a life-changing amount of money but i think yeah. that's the point is to them that is a life-changing yeah. amount of money yeah, it's just a fresh yeah, start yeah. you can't get to you know i think they did name a price sometime earlier in the film like for buying a pint or something oh did they uh it uh, was definitely a lot cheaper than it is now like almost half yeah for sure i uh, felt like i remember so, my teenage right. years you could get a pint for 50p in some places yeah like, but then later on when he was trying to rent that shitty house flat to like oh yes letters that it was, was like 300 pounds a week a week yeah so that's quite a lot that's a lot yeah for a shitty i mean uh, it's two bedrooms, <laughs> central London. So it's probably this about is, double. This is the world's number yeah. one yeah. house property from, yeah, right, right, from right. the nineties podcast. <laughs> well, um, no, I see your point. Like, at least, like, how much would it be in dollars? Oh, for, for the listeners. Know, oh, for now, yeah, yeah, um, sixteen thousand pounds, about twenty thousand dollars. Okay, yeah. right. Every, every day is a bit different now, thanks to yeah. the referendum and everything that's going <laughs> on with the economy. But yeah. Um. Holy fuck, I'm kind of excited to talk about this movie. Unlike Shallow Grave, which I really enjoyed, but I was a bit sleepy and it didn't really like shake me out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't come back to this film for... I'm trying to think the last time I watched it. It would have been at least 13 years ago, I think. And I used to watch this movie so much. Like, um, But let's go around the table a little bit. Just say what was our first uh, experiences. Allison, your first experience was today. Yep. You can keep quiet for a second. Okay. <laughs> Tamara, when did you first see Trainspot? Uh, I think it must have been... 12, 13 years ago. Really? I think. Okay. Um, I did struggle with the accent back then. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone was saying just before we put it on. It was like, Harry, because do we need subtitles? <laughs> 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 I think it's mostly Begbie. Begbie's so oh, yeah. thick. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy thick. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of blurred, to be honest. But like, you know, it was just one of those films I felt like I have to watch. So I watched it. And uh, and also like, Ewan McGregor um, went to the same school, so it's like, mm. oh, so that means I was, I think I saw it in my first year of drama school then. So that that'd be like ten years ago. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Do you remember liking it though, or not liking it? Or? I remember thinking, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Haruka. Yeah, I think the first time I I saw it was on telly in Japan. Um, it was on like on one of those Friday night film um, mm. programs. The Kinyo Roda show. Tell me it wasn't yeah. dubbed into Japanese. It was Scottish. dubbed into Japanese. Oh, um, <laughs> they doing Scottish accents. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's possible. Hmm. Let me come back to you. You should work on that one, one Tamara. Yeah. That He's thinking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's um, Northern accents. So yeah. Anyway. Are there other um, films in Japan? Are they dubbed? It depends, but when it's on telly, I think it tends to be dubbed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not in, always, but it tends to be yeah, on telly. Whereas yeah. in cinemas, you can choose either okay. um, to go and see the dubbed version or the normal version, subtitled version. Um, but yeah, so, but I was pretty young then. Um, yeah, it wasn't really an, an appropriate film for me, I don't think. How young? Um, pretty young. I think I must have been... I'm not sure. Hang on. This was made 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, 21, I think, Tammy, just... Maybe I was around, like, 15, but I was a pretty okay. mature 15-year-old, so... Immature? Yeah. yeah. 
You're an immature 15 year old? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Surprising. It's about the same age as me. I was, I was 16 when I saw this. So yeah. Right. But you were probably a mature. Yeah, I was. 15, I had my smoking jacket on. I was, you know, right. slippers, <laughs> slippers and cane. That's how I watched every movie. Yeah. yeah with a pipe. Yeah. Did you um, like it in its Japanese dubbed version? Um, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't paying too much attention because um, it was on the telly and, you know, it was a passing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. I thought the visual was very unique and interesting because it was something, it wasn't the kind of film that I used to watch back then. So I thought it was really vivid and cool. But um, the subject was a bit mature for me. So um, yeah, that was my first memory of it. And then I think I watched it again when I was like 20 and it was really cool and I really liked it. And yeah, I watched it a couple more times since then, but not recently. And the last time I watched it must have been about, I don't know, seven, six, seven years ago. Okay. So I haven't been back to it since, yeah. It's been a good deal of separation then for, mm. to get some perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, I saw it when I was 16. I'd seen Shallow Grave, but I think I'd just seen Shallow Grave. I didn't get to see it at the cinema because um, I wasn't old enough. I think I got to see it on VHS. And, and those days, it took like nine months, you know, for the VHS to come out after the cinema. Um, so I think I'd just seen that and then I did find a way definitely into the cinema to see Trainspotting. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it's hard to say like being in England or in Britain, I guess in the nineties and being 16 and like a teenager at a time when these films were coming out, like it was, these were the films that formed so much of the culture from what clothes people wore to mm. yeah, what colors people revolved around the orange you were talking about there on the blu-ray <laughs> there's like yeah orange was the theme color of train spotting which is kind of strange because it's not really in the movie that much no. but it's their bold marketing color um and people like i remember like everyone was wearing bright greens and bright orange colors for a few years there in the mid 90s i remember buying like one bright orange like <laughs> tight t-shirt <laughs> to wear and putting it on once and just like no i really can't i can't do this <laughs> but it was all to do with train spotting and the music was everywhere the quoting the like mm. choose life choose like all stuff like was just one of those things everyone said it was so saturated into our culture um and yeah it was one of those kind of like it was fun enough and comforting enough but also shocking enough to be exactly right for teenagers at that time of like you know, there's sex in there, there's violence in there, there's drugs, there's people saying outlandish, you know, things. But then there's also a good theme underneath it and there is actually some morality and there's, you know... Um, and again, like I kind of say, like sitcom characters in a weird way, you know. Um, yeah, and I fucking loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and the camera work was quite remarkable at the time and the transition in the edits from scene to scene was yeah, mm. really special. And how bold it was, was like like here, even in the DVD menu, you go like the people just talking to the camera and titles coming up on screen and a level of breaking the fourth wall that wasn't doing it to be cute it was doing it to involve you more Mm. um which was interesting um but i never read the book so i don't really have like is it like you remember the book is it vastly Um, different or is it pretty on the nose i read it long long time ago okay so i don't remember much but i do remember that it was really bold storytelling and it was a very stylish writing okay and it was really cool um i think it's it's more or less similar to the the film because the I'm speed not. of the film that's kind of what i mean by like how quickly it's trying to get the story across mm-hmm. it feels to me like oh we we don't want to edit the book like we want to get as much as we can in so they're like cramming it into those two hours sort of thing mm, i can't but remember now um but yeah i think probably you can just make probably something up. Huh? <laughs> you can just make something up yeah <laughs> um yeah so i was like yeah 
it was a huge, 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 huge part of my, my, I won't say childhood, but I don't think you think of that when you're a teenager, but yeah, of me growing up, um, and figuring out who you wanted to be. I was very, I was scared of drugs a lot when I was a teenager. So this was quite a spooky movie to me as well. Um, but it's kind of weird, like with Shallow Grave was saying last night to come to Shallow Grave now. And then those opening scenes, they all just seem like a horrible <laughs> bunch of characters, mm. but they're quite funny. And with this, and I guess that's the first thing I want to talk about are the themes, like the immediate themes we've seen carrying across. Because for me, this this is a very natural successor to Shallow Grave in terms of what it's dealing with. Like once again, we have money coming between friends. Once again, we have friends not trusting each other, but enjoying each other's company. Once again, they're all kind of amusing to us, but there's like definitely like, there's not a good dynamic really between them. Um, they're not necessarily nice people. They're quite deplorable in most of their actions. Um, but I feel he does a much better job in this one. One, because he gives us a central character mm-hmm. who does VO for the whole film. Like this voiceover through, where Shallow Graves is just like bookended, isn't it? With VO, mm, yeah. yeah. So we get a central character. And two, I was kind of, I didn't bring up the timer, but he takes a long time in this movie before he starts. Like they're doing heroin from the off. So sure, they're kind of hard to like in some ways, but <laughs> but he doesn't show them doing really nasty things to other people until about 40 minutes into the film. And I think it's kind of really smart that for me anyway, like I get on board with these characters first before I start seeing them being shitty horrible. to other people. Because yeah, um, them being shitty to themselves, I can kind of take... The only thing you've got, obviously, is right from the beginning, he's embedding that baby that's constantly mm-hmm. crawling around while they're all doing heroin and just ignoring it. Um, what about you guys? Did you get on board with the characters quicker in this one? Do you like them or not like them at the top of the movie? I think you definitely understand them better than... I mean, un- you understand the relationship they have with each other, which is weird because it's still, like with Shallow Grave, it's not the best relationship and they don't mm. necessarily treat each other very well but i feel like you understand the dynamic better mm. than you do with shallow grave um i don't know if that's i don't know maybe drugs just bring people together <laughs> that is, but I mean, that's kind of literally what he's saying at the beginning mm. it's like yeah in shallow grave they're together and you're never given that back history and like i don't mm. really know why they're friends mm. but i'll buy it but with this one yeah they're immediately like drugs brings us together yeah. and he mm. kind of even has some lines in there of like i can't even yeah, take being around these people yeah. <laughs> unless we're all high the whole time kind of yeah. thing. It's also just because they they he starts talking to you like immediately and mm. the pace is so fast. So yeah. you, you have to sort of jump on board really yeah. quickly. And just when you feel like you know what's going on, he says that he's going to quit, mm-hmm. which makes you go, okay, he's <laughs> got sane mind. And yeah. mm. that's a very good trick to so, sort of make you like the characters yeah yeah that's true that's true it's like hey here's all this shit Mm -hmm. you don't have time to process it and then immediately i'm going to try and become a better person Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it's it was interesting because like when i watched it this time around i noticed the similarities between this storytelling and the storytelling kubrick used in um clockwork orange right yeah in the sense that the protagonist is like speaking to the audience in this really like poetic language um which is the same in a novel, because mm-hmm. um, Clockwork Orange does the same, and I think Train Spotting is quite similar in that sense, the yeah, novel yeah, as well. So um, that was quite interesting for me, and I think they did a really good job of setting up the tone and the energy of the film and the relationship between the characters from the get-go, with all the freeze frames and yeah, you know, the yeah. pacing of it. 
He does a great job of, even though you're dealing with serious things, he makes it fun yeah. first, mm-hmm. and the yeah. consequence comes later yeah. in his movies. Um, do you find though, in Clockwork Orange the characters that you know likable like this? Because I, I that's my problem with Clockwork Orange. I respect it, but I never get on board with those He's characters. He's the most despicable character ever. Yeah. I think <laughs> Alex in Clockwork Orange, yeah. but I think at the same time because. His like talking to the audience and stuff, you kind of do get drawn into his world. You feel in on it, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Although you do despise him, and you know, but you do kind of you do get inside his head a bit. Yeah. Which is the same. Yeah. yeah. The same trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find them. Yeah, with Clockwork Orange, I just never, I never managed to get in with the characters. Like with this, I find them all endearing in a way, in a weird way, kind of thing. Like. Renton, you know, who's our central character, he's, you know, we're obviously closest to him and there's a lot of endearing, like, things because you are, you get the VO, so you're always in his head, so he's kind of easy. Um, and then Spud Boy, Spud Boy? Spud. 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 Sick Boy. Sick Boy. Sick Boy. Rem Boy. Is that Rem Boy? <laughs> Man, I'm getting confused. Um, Spud is obviously, you know, the most endearing in that he's just awkward and an idiot, basically, and yeah. gets everything mm. wrong, but he has not malicious oh. at all. Um and then, uh, yeah, Sick Boy seems intelligent, but just like he's making stupid decisions kind of thing. So there's some sort of redeemable qualities to him. And then Tommy's the clean one for most of the movie. So he's sort of the more virtuous one. Mm-hmm. In the end, yeah, Big Boy, Begbie's the only one who's just seems like a horrible person, but he's <laughs> so over the top horrible. He's yeah. the funniest. Yeah. Of them all and his time. Robert Carlyle, so it's kind of hard to hard dislike to like him. him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what I was finding interesting, I was just looking up when we were watching the movie, it's, I didn't realize, this, and this is something we're definitely going to come back to at the end of this series of podcasts when we do Trainspotting 2, is Trainspotting 2 is obviously real time, it's set 20 years later, the directors and actors are all t- obviously 20 years older, and it's meant to deal with, um, you know, kind of the middle age portion of your life more. Um, and I've read some reviews saying it succeeds in that because it's embracing that. And I'm very interested when we're going to see it if they're playing to that strength or if they're trying to recapture, you know, the energy they mm. had before. Because this really feels like a young man's film. Like this is so aggressively energetic and so many ideas and so many brave like camera decisions and acting decisions and practical kind of use of set and stuff. Um, but when I looked it up, Danny Boyle was 40 when he shot this film. Wow. Which is, you know, I'm still young, but it's not, this feels like a much younger director's mm. film, in my opinion. This feels like someone maybe just in their 30s, but potentially even in their late 20s kind of thing. This feels like so much energy to it. Yeah. Which means Trainspawn 2 is 60, which oh, wow. is going to be interesting to see how you return to this world when you're 60. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, yeah, I didn't realize, I mean, Charlie Grape was 39 when he directed that, which is, makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's go through some of the uh, some of our notes, some of the things as chronologically as we can. Uh, we talked about the opening already, obviously. Um, I think it's really, I think it's a great fucking opening. The titles coming mm. up, mm. like Tamara saying, like it's so energetic. Like you don't even have time to adjust to being in a movie. The music just kicks in, his dialogue kicks in, they're running. It's a really smart way to pull you right in. Um, and there's a very sexual idea of heroin at the beginning mm-hmm. of this movie. Like I think they have to convince you very early on. It's a very tough job, I think, or particularly for anyone who's not been through an addiction like that, to convince the, all the audience they're going to do really bad things because of this drug. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand why they do that. Like, they have to sell to you how good it is first before they can show you how bad it is, basically. But the same mm. opening is 
That happens after a baby dies, right? No, no, when no. They describe so the baby's it. still crawling around. Oh, yeah, you have him. So you, you start, yeah, with him like running and yeah. getting hit by the car, but then he goes the back. very beginning. Yeah. And but you don't know you've gone back. I didn't time. notice that it went back. Like, he okay. doesn't yeah. say anything. No, right? no, no, no. He doesn't even do the typical thing of like, actually, that's not where I should start. Let me go back to the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah. The other day. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just does it seamlessly. Yeah. They just open with that mm. clip, I think, because it's a good energetic clip. Mm-mm. And then they take you back. Yeah, because the baby's like crawling around immediately while they're doing heroin. And then you've got, um, what's his name? Blah, 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 blah. Blonde one. Yeah, what is his fucking name? Forgot his name now. Sick boy. Sick boy. Yeah. Uh, sick boy convincing this girl, like how we're talking to her about James Bond and stuff. And there's this very intimate, yeah, sexuality between it. And they're both like he makes a point of saying it's better than any sex, and then she makes a point of saying it's better than any cock. And it's just like mm-hmm. very purposely trying to let us know this. This feels amazing. This is why they're gonna do all this stuff, which I think they do a good job of. I'm sure. I'm sure some people <laughs> just <laughs> tuned into the beginning of this film. Were like, oh, I'm going to go do her, and then didn't watch the rest of the Great. film, so didn't learn anything. <laughs> I think that was the one of the criticism that the film got, wasn't it? That it, the film's glorified. Yeah. Yeah. Which but, is, I think if you watch the whole film, there's no, no. way you can no. see it as glorizing heroin. But yeah, for sure, if you just tune in for those first ten minutes. Yeah, it would make I a good that. commercial for heroin, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. They even have his diatribe about it's like people don't understand how fucking good this is because you know we wouldn't do it otherwise, kind mm. of thing. I guess it is orange. Heroin. The heroin. It, it, it oh, oh, the color. The color. Oh, orange. Oh, yeah, that's true. When he has it in the spoon, it's like orange. It's yellow, kind right? of brown, but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. When that's they're true. cooking orange it, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Must be mm. Um. Immediately for me, like way more assured directing than Shallow Grave. Mm-hmm. Like all those little camera movements he was trying in Shallow Grave that's insane to me this is a year later and it must have been six months later that they shot it and yeah. it's that like yeah just fucking out of the game yeah. just like so confident yep now his genius really does shine through in this film and yeah he, it's really clear that he got into his strides yeah is that how you say it yeah yeah I think it's yeah. immediately on his stride can you believe though like because you know like we're talking before Tamara like we're saying how many Danny Boyle films have seen Haruko's said on the previous podcast Danny Boyle was one of her favourite directors of all time um, and Alison had only seen Slumdog before like how does it feel come to this film from the director of Slumdog which to me is just so dramatically different like yeah crazily different definitely um, so you I mean I guess you'd heard you said you'd never heard of Trainspotting even heard you no I had you had heard of Trainspotting mm-hmm. okay yeah you Especially went to film as- school I did <laughs> and I <laughs> claim to love you and McGregor but apparently I don't love him that much if I haven't Personally, you know, it's a big film over here, and it's, but not it's not as big in America. Like it wasn't as big mm. in America at all. It's, it's also all probably. I mean, I grew up with parents who I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter when I was when all my friends were reading it because it was not age appropriate. So right. a lot of these movies that came out in you know the nineties and I, there's no way in hell I would have been allowed to see any of this, yeah. and there's right. no way that my parents were seeing it. Okay, so. Was the film how you imagined it was going to be? Was it kind of like as? Um, I think everything I've heard about Train Spotting is, oh, it's a really fucking weird film. <laughs> was it weird <laughs> enough like for you? Then did it live up to being weird, or was it? Yeah, but weird in, I mean, it's weird in a very druggy way, which is it fits for that. Yeah. It does it well. Mm. It doesn't take you out of it at any moment. I the first thing I wrote down is that I was already cringing more in this film than I was in Shallow Grave. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. 
because of that stupid toilet scene where he's like oh, reaching yeah. into it and yeah yeah, 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 immediately just tensed up and was like, "Well, this is already." Although in Shallow Grave, the stuff that would have made you cringe is like cheesy, like the yeah. cheesy blood on the ATM and things mm. that may have been. Well, yeah, that was more accidental back then, but cringe. Yeah. Whereas this is purposeful. Mm, right. Like, right. They're going out of their way to shock you as much as yeah. they can yeah. in this movie, which I have problems with in some ways now. Like as a teenager, you don't care. You're just like, yeah, shock me. I want to be shocked. <laughs> Do it. Now as yeah, in your mid-30s, I'm like, eh, I don't yeah. want to be shocked. Mm. But the toilet stuff, I'm not a big fan of toilet humor, but I do let this one off the hook a little bit more than normal. Um, particularly, I mean, they go a little bit over top, but it's very Irvine Welsh, isn't it? It's just mm. like, it's his idea of Scotland is this cesspool of yeah. just depravity. <laughs> yep. And yeah, that that yeah scene with the worst toilet in all of Scotland. Yep. And it's just like a bomb's hit it, mm. <laughs> which is just completely. I mean, I've been in some horrific toilets in Scotland that for sure I know. I see what they. I know what they're getting at, but I don't think there's any this reality that's is... actually <laughs> quite like that. And you certainly wouldn't go digging through your shit afterwards. But, but I, that's the thing. I guess they have to like, yeah, show you just how addiction, yeah. <laughs> how mm. crazy it is. But then he already brings in that surreal imagery straight away of him diving into it and yeah. swimming like through the ocean yeah. and stuff, which That's I beautiful. love. Yeah. And with no and I CGI. like the shot of him looking down into the toilet through his legs. And mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that Danny Ball has a thing for toilet <laughs> jokes because he does that in Slamdog Millionaire as well, doesn't yep. he? There's a scene oh, yeah, where there with is. the whole... Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there yeah, is. Yeah, there is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we get the, yeah, um, the I, other yeah, poop yeah. bit, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the, color, the use of colors, I think, is really interesting in this mm, movie. But yeah. Just before he goes rushing into the toilet, he's outside like some council flats and all the curtains yes, are like yeah. perfectly arranged with like the green, really yellow, interesting pink, colors yeah. of the entire color theme. Of yeah. In that way, it reminded me of La La Land. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. Yeah. Very similar, similar colors. It's, it's, and it's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> even the vibrancy of the film in a weird way, because this is kind of the characters are cartoony and it is kind of a very colorful exaggerated yeah. version of a yeah. world mm. but underneath it all is depression and loneliness yeah yeah true which yeah. is yeah la la land really mm. it's quite buzz Larman as well but that's yeah it's not i guess it's just the yeah i thought about that with French. that like circular room with mm. the mm. Hotel like a yellow room. bed purple mm. and then red walls and just like all these different oh. royal and bold colors and and there are some shots that look like Wes Anderson's yeah. yeah I think that's why I like Danny Boyle there's a little bit Wes Anderson's yeah. a little bit I mean obviously before some of these people were doing all of the things they're doing but a little bit of um, yeah there's a little bit of Baz Luhrmann in there I, it's the side of Baz Luhrmann I'm not a fan of which is the sweaty brash you know like fisheye lenses mm. bright saturated yeah. colours and the camera's like right up in people's faces which is, to me is really ugly and I don't like it but he does it a little bit in this mm. for some things. He likes bringing the camera in handheld really shakily, really quick up to someone's face and stuff. And mm -hmm. um, But yeah, it does. Like it gets that constant energy across, which is definitely something Basil Luhrmann's all about. Mm. Like the first half of Romeo and Juliet is pretty much a drug trip as well. Like it's all mm -hmm. about True. ecstasy and stuff. And, um, yeah, there's some great lines as well in this stuff. Like one of my favorites when, uh, when he first tries to give up heroin and he says he can't stand to like look at his friends because he said they remind me so much of myself i can barely even look at them <laughs> which I think is a really, really good line um yeah and so this is this is the big line that i want to get into since we're going to do term, uh, terminator 2 nope train spotting <laughs> 2 <laughs> later on t2 they actually have the conversation in there so he's giving up heroin it's in that same scene where he just said i can barely look at them him um and sick boy have like their little air pistol thing 
and they're sitting there talking um, and then he shoots the dog mm-hmm. you know at the end of it and their whole conversation is about how artists can't do things well when they're older it's all about how art is only good when you're young and you have your energy and you have all your creative ideas and he lists off like all of these proof of concepts of that hmm. um, of musicians and painters and stuff and yeah she has a line we all get old and we can't hack it anymore and that's um, and that's it and that's his line and then they make a big point of it in that scene and I'm just really interested like to remember that <laughs> for then mm. how he tackles Trainspotting too if he's like making a point in this film to like but he was 40 already yeah yeah, I maybe know. that's mm. his way of telling his his peers that he still has it at 40 maybe maybe know. maybe or maybe like I don't know like yeah forties forties not sixty like true 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 forties definitely still uh, particularly since he was at the beginning of his career and still had lots mm. of ideas he wanted to get out of him because maybe it is a bit less to do with age I think age definitely has a factor in that stuff but I think it's also like how early are you in your career for how many mm. ideas mm. have you got stored up before mm-hmm. you run out and then it kind of the well becomes dry for you uh yeah i really i really enjoyed this, these scenes of the job applications <laughs> yes <laughs> <At> the <interview>. <laughs> that <laughs> was amazing that's really when we get on boy on board with spud spud my my i have a lot of notes written about spud <laughs> and my final one just says i fucking love spud, fucking <laughs> love spud. <laughs> he's so adorable he's so great and simple and just like socially awkward mm. and oh he's so great <laughs> His interview scene is so funny. <laughs> I like I the scene it. when they're at the club and the two boys are just like shouting at each other and talking about the girl problems and the girls talking about the boy problems. Mm. And they're like, what were you talking about? Football? <laughs> what were you talking about? Shopping. Shopping. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it also gets me with this film though because I'm like, I'm on board straight away at the beginning with the characters and I'm on board because you can see some of the places it's going to go to. But then they bring in, they do bring in love. Like they don't necessarily settle on that but there's that point quite early on like half an hour into the film where Renton's like I realise what's been missing from my life and it's love basically and having someone else there to share like some of your life with and he just goes to a nightclub to try and find <laughs> that <laughs> and everyone's getting off with people other than him and then we get to see the glorious Kelly McDonald <gasps> her purple lady. sparkly dress <laughs> the biggest fucking crush on Kelly McDonald she's crazy um but this is the first time I've been able to look past my crush of Kelly McDonald and see how weird <laughs> her character is. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, still have a crush on her now. She's lovely. Is she, is she, she is. one from Black Mirror? She's in, the latest, she's in the last episode of the latest series. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's Black Mirror season three. She's in the film I did last year. Oh, really? Which the one? Journey. Ooh. Is she in The oh, Journey? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, she's got a really good character in it. She's great. Yeah. Um, she is a really weird, really weird character. Because in the club, and tell me if I'm wrong with this, particularly from a female perspective, from being a teenager or whatever. But like, in the club, she's com- well. For starters, no one's chatting her up when he sees mm-hmm. her, which seems unlikely because yeah. she's like way prettier than most of the girls he's been trying on. Um, but then she's standing there, all quiet and reserved, and just kind of like looking over everybody, not seeming phased by anything. She then goes to leave. Some guy like chats her up, and they have to show immediately like how cool she is at just like drinking these two drinks and just showing him up and then walking out. Mm-hmm. I completely buy from where Renton's at him immediately falling in love with her, basically immediately being like, "Yes, she's amazing. I want to like hang out with her." Mm-hmm. Then he goes rushing outside where she's getting a taxi, and he has like maybe one sentence to her, which is just him like a bad joke essentially 
of like oh well, i'll come home like, with you but i'm not promising anything yeah, kind yeah. of thing and then yeah. she fucking destroys him <laughs> with this whole diatribe which is so fucking true and on the nose of like do you really like is that does that always work for you and blah 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 and then she gets in a taxi and then just leaves the door open yep <laughs> for him and i knew teenagers at the time who would not be faced by clubs i can buy her being that kind of fed up with guys already at that point in her life like trying it on with her i don't understand why any of the other guys who might have tried it on with that night why Renton would be the one like is it just because you're outside is it just because she finds him physically attractive like i don't really buy that of her just like him saying that one dumb sentence she puts him down and, and it's saying, just like all right yeah, jump okay, in the taxi and then they're immediately mm. making out is yeah. that just me um, it's a movie <laughs> <laughs> but okay fine <laughs> But I have to like, I don't know, it just, it's never bothered me before. And this time I was like, I don't believe you as a character. And then they mm. kind of like push that even more because then they see the sex scene and then the next scene, she's just like cute little school girl and she's all school girly. And she's like, mm. you're going to ring me, you're going to call me, you better fucking call me or I'm going to tell the police. And she's like really needy suddenly. It's like, this is yeah. not the girl who's in the club last night being mm. really cool, really yeah. in control, really sophisticated. And you didn't, all you showed me was you two having sex and you're kicking him out. So it's not even like maybe they had nice conversations or like she <laughs> saw something about him that she really liked and like I don't know. True. So it just made that character a little hard for me to buy. Maybe it was the sexy tight yellow shirt that he was yeah, wearing yeah. that showed yeah. his belly button. It was. Yep. <laughs> there was a lot of that in the 90s. <laughs> he wore he wore it a couple of times too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he wore that in London as well. <laughs> yeah, when they go to yeah. the yeah. club yeah. there as well. It's like, oh, yeah. better get this. My going out shirt. Get ready. Hey, look, it fucking worked for him last time with Kelly McDonald. So you're gonna put on the same t-shirt again. He's like, all I said was one stupid line, and I got to go back and have sex with her. Maybe that's what we should wear when we go to CT too. Done. Yeah. <laughs> costume that is literally costume. exactly like the orange little one I <laughs> <laughs> and i think it had like a, a weird green top. squid on it or something it was ridiculous um yeah and then you get like the montage scene of them all having sex mm-hmm. or not having sex in spuds um point of view um and then yeah like the brilliant realization of the football tape being swapped for the sex tape yeah. <laughs> and then yeah the correlation in the editing which i still think is one of the best editing yeah, jobs really of like him and Kelly like coming during like the dialogue of the scene of the football scoring the goal and stuff and then he quotes <laughs> the football game to her yeah so cool um and then we get the next poop scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah this oh, one yeah. this one I I really <laughs> have mm. more troubles with I think because it's uh, you, you're the Spud fan I know I love Spud <laughs> <laughs> is this what got you on board Spud? I mean the way he was handling it is why I love him. So him like <laughs> holding it behind his back and be like, no, no, really, I'll do it. I got it. Don't worry. And just, I mean, all of those things, all of the things that made me cringe, you see them coming, but you're like, I'm, I'm looking away halfway, but also still watching to make sure I don't miss something. And I just knew that was going to just end up everywhere. And I it was just, the same mm-hmm. thing with the baby. I knew the baby was coming and I was like, oh yeah, oh, crap, I'm going to hate this. And I was like, Looking down, but also watching. Yeah, that's legitimately disturbing. But we'll get to yeah. that in a minute. Mm. Um, yeah, that, like what I love about that scene is he wakes up, he <laughs> shit himself with like diarrhea, presumably because it looks ridiculously yeah. just unbelievably <laughs> enormous. <laughs> and then he takes the sheets into the breakfast room mm. where she's with her parents. Which, for starters, I just love the kind of Scottish mentality of 
of like the dynamic between her and him and some of the stuff she's saying about he needs to be tied up and stuff and the parents <laughs> aren't even batting and, like, and then he just says some, oh i had a bit of an accident and i'm like oh it's good to cut loose every now and then and wet the bed i presume that's what they're thinking there is yeah, 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 the yeah, bed, yeah, yeah, yeah which i love that that's just like yeah whatever like no big deal <laughs> yeah, let yeah, me yeah, wash yeah, it for in you in a house let me take that for you and that the mother wants to take it from anyway it's fucking just yeah a funny dynamic and then yeah the fight and the poop going everywhere or something it's like oh was that really necessary but at the time that was one of the shocking moments so that was, that was one of the scenes that everyone talked about after the movie was oh the <laughs> film with the shit <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem when you're making this kind of film is it helps people remember the movie then mm. it's done a job i guess um but yeah i can take it or leave it that bit was that in the book do you remember i think it was i can't remember but i think it was okay. yeah i don't think any of the shocking bits in the film is not in the novel yeah okay that makes um then they all go out to the mountains in scotland <laughs> and this is the only time you get to see a scotland outside of edinburgh mm. in this film mm-hmm. um and they go out it's to the beautiful wilderness and go for their walk and <laughs> they're just sitting there on a on a bridge drinking tinnies <laughs> and refusing and they say like it's unnatural to be out there um that was yeah. one of my favorite lines is one that's right after he was upset and they're like don't take it out on us yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite. No, you're having a hard Lines. time with your girlfriend, but you don't but have to take it. Out. It's not <laughs> our fault. Why are we here? For bringing us to the beautiful countryside <laughs> and make us walk up pretty mountains. Let's go back to our dirty apartment. Oh, he's the one who, who swapped the videos. So yeah, it's one hundred percent his fault. It is your fault. That's true. <laughs> that is true. They don't really resolve that. <laughs> Tommy's the character. It's a, I can't remember if it was the same one as a teenager, but now for sure. This film's really heartbreaking for me. Like, I find it fun for about the first 20 minutes. And then it's honestly, it's not depressing. I think I used to find it fun and then really depressing. Now I just find it kind of heartbreaking. Because all I'm really noticing are the parents in the background of the movie. Like, the people at the funeral, the mother when um, Spud's put in jail and stuff. And they're all being really mean to her. Like, it's your fault. It's your fault. Mm -hmm. And it just breaks my heart to see the people around them and how they're affected by, yeah basically they're like their kids addiction to heroin um and then yeah obviously the baby thing yeah stuff like that which mm. is really heartbreaking but it was just strange coming to it now like yeah that's actually what i'm more focused on in the movie it's mm-hmm. like and women and women to a degree in what way just the way like they are affected by as well not just the family members but like like the women in their lives. Oh, the yeah, girlfriends yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 It's true. Yeah, they don't really deal with the girls if they ever do heroin or anything. Or other than... The other than their one who uh, just the seems to be one, there yeah. to have sex with yeah, all of yeah. them and mm-hmm. take heroin and that's it. Yeah, that's true. They never really get into does that affect their relationships with their yeah. girlfriends mm-hmm. much. And yeah, Tommy as well. Like, I really do feel way more empathy towards him than I think I used to realize. Mm. Um because he's some for some whatever reason he's still just like with them even though everyone around him is a nightmare and he's yeah. living a mm-hmm. fairly okay life and he's quite like he says right at the beginning like we all like hate him because he's never cheated on anyone he's never done drugs and he's like always tells the truth yeah um so they have to like yeah destroy him <laughs> uh yeah and it takes ages until you see Renson's parents which I found interesting they kind of shy away from the parents of all of the main characters 
so that they're just kind of like it's like when you watch a kid's film and they make a point of let's ignore the parents so we can just concentrate on the kid's world and the kid's story um it was very much the same in terms i kept like at the beginning thinking where are their families like where are these people and you'd see like yeah the parents of the girlfriends or whatever mm-hmm. um and then later on they start to introduce here's spud's mother but you just see for one scene here's renton's mom and dad but it's really about 45 minutes into the movie before we even see them and it's just for a second kind of thing mm. um, which i think is a smart decision as well because it brings you into the isolation they must feel in their little world um and then yeah i really like the scene of um rent boy um having his doing his james bond monologue again and he's got the james bond shoe on with the heroin in the bottom in the oh, yeah. of the shoe and he's putting a suit on throughout the entire scene and you're like why is he putting a suit on and you never find out why and then he's just doing heroin in his suit <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was just getting dressed up for the sake of it basically and then when yeah i think this is like actually about an hour into the movie and that's when you finally get to the real shit that they're doing to people which is how do they support this lifestyle and they have to get into well this is how it's actually hard work to be into heroin and getting into yeah all the scams they have to do all of the stealing stuff they have to do does this like by this point are you just so on board with the characters you don't care that they're horrible people um i think you do it's kind of heartbreaking to see like these people who you've grown so fond of doing horrible things and i think that's part of the heartbreaking you know tragedy of the film is that you know it does kind of hurt your feelings to see these people do these you know horrible things to other people to support their lifestyle and do but they not start doing that because of the baby's death no well, that, i think that no? kind of gets worse after the baby's death i thought that that's, no, that's I, the impression i got okay. i really think it's just like cause he says it's just because they go back on heroin again like after like because that before the baby's death they have that whole mm-hmm. thing of we made a concerted decision an intelligent i think concerted decision what it was to go back on heroin and then they get into that whole thing of like this is how you support yourself when you're on heroin basically so i think it's just yeah there's okay. been so much information before and they chose to do the character information first mm-hmm. and then get to yeah this is how you actually live your day-to-day life kind of thing which I think was really smart of them because otherwise if you started with that if that was your beginning montage it's like hey here we are doing heroin here's a little baby crawling around here's us stealing from people (laughs) here's us fucking people over here's us disappointing our parents like all of this shit Um, and Begbie beating the living crap out of people and hospitalizing them it'd be really hard to care about any of these characters Mm, at all Um, what was that line about him? he doesn't do drugs he does people yeah addiction Mm. yeah 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 that's cool did it were you you're still on board though with the characters then at that point you don't care yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like no, no, like no, because i assumed the way it was edited he said something like the baby died but something else died in ourselves or something like that mm-hmm. then that was the moment when they started running spiraling and, uh, so mm-hmm. i just assumed that that kind of tipped them over to do something even more drastic uh, or even like making mistakes so that they get chased down because they don't go to they don't get arrested usually that's the first time they got arrested yeah you're right with that i think but with the other like they showed before the baby dies they showed them when they're stealing stuff and things but yeah yeah, with them making a mistake yeah maybe yeah 
but they're definitely like this is just their general lifestyle this is just yeah, how they do things yeah. to like get the heroin and he has that great line about we just pile misery upon misery basically because you can't deal with anything um yeah I, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's, yeah. Just, it, it's again, it's it's such a fine balance to yeah. make a film like this with characters like that and keep mm. people on board with them. And it's weird because I think with a movie, for me anyway, you're always kind of like, in my head, I'm hoping for something. You know, you've got to be hoping for something to happen. Like, what do I want a character to do or where do I want them to go to? Mm. And it's hard in this movie because you obviously want them to lead better lives or you want Renton to get out and lead a better life. But at the same time, it's at you know for the first half of the movie they make it so much fun for us to watch yeah like mm. even with them fucking people over like the scene of them stealing the tv from all the old people <laughs> watching <laughs> the world, they make it really funny so then it's kind of confusing for you emotionally because the horrible mm. things they genuinely make enjoyable for the audience yeah mm. which is pretty smart uh da, da, da. yeah then we've got some other things scene transitions so then we get him actually when he decides to go back and take one more hit and ODs or whatever it is that happens. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, and he's got a hospital. And I love this scene. And I remember this so vividly as a kid with the carpet, like him sinking mm, in the carpet. Yeah. And then yep. that's staying there yep. for like his field of vision throughout all the rest of the scenes. And you can just imagine them pitching this idea and just like, but why would the carpet when he's in the car? Why would you have the carpet? And it's like, no, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. where his brain has been left kind of thing. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah. And then later on, they kind of sort of revisit that image when the coffin, like, what's the mm. guy who died? Mm. When his, Tommy yeah, died. Yeah. 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 When his coffin goes down. Yeah. yeah. Kind of shadows that. that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because as someone who's never done heroin, so I can't safely say whether they portray it well in this <laughs> or not, but they certainly do a really, really good job of just getting in at the headspace of feeling detached mm-hmm. from things and the surreal, yeah, elements of. Of where they must be at, and you, mm. when you're all these, you're usually not conscious, right? But what that looked like is he's f- fully conscious but cannot move, just not responding yeah, yeah, yeah. to anything. Maybe. So I don't know which one's yeah. more yeah, yeah, yeah. medically a- accurate. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you're still aware or not, yeah, or if you're just like mm. blacked out. I do love that you can hear the ambulance coming and then it passes by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Drags him in, (laughs) puts money in his pocket. He's like, off you go. (laughs) They'll take care of you. Um, Sorry, I've got a weird quote written down here that I can't remember what it means. Yeah. Um, So one of the only other parts of the film that I do feel they're trying too hard to shock with, and I get they have to because they have to start bringing the morality in, is then Renton gives up drugs his parents get him off it should we talk about that scene for a second actually quickly before we move on because that was i mean the 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 shit scene was the one that people talked about in terms of it was shocking Mm. but yeah the getting off drug scene at Mm. the time was a huge scene yeah in terms of how surreal it was and it really unsettled people and the baby on the ceiling unsettled people um it doesn't seem as unsettling now to me the rest of the movies actually kept the adrenaline and kind of acidity Mm. that i always felt it had that scene to me i was like oh this is kind of feels a bit tame now um, it doesn't even go on that long, just a few minutes, really, um, which I appreciate. They have to like get to the rest of the story. But as a first comer to it, then Alison, was that stuff effective for you? Was it like, was it shocking, or was it just um, okay? Someone getting off not necessarily shit. shocking. It affects you, and it, I mean, you feel horrible watching 
him go through all of that mm-hmm. and the baby of course is unsettling but I, th- I mean the first thing i noticed is that he's in a twin bed with wallpaper that's dark green and has blue and red cars and trucks on yeah. it like I think on the trains. entire were, were they trains, were trains okay yeah. so it's just i mean he just is like this little boy who is back in his bedroom and is being put in timeout because he misbehaved and is like throwing a tantrum and then i mean that going into understanding that it's totally medical and he's having withdrawals and mm-hmm. just the shakes and the hallucinations and everything is makes i mean you feel horrible for him mm. but I, w- I don't think it was shocking really maybe just because they've done it in other movies since then yeah i think they've been a lot of like simpsons had like a home paid a homage to that scene and like mm. family guy paid homage to that scene and stuff so i think you must have like seen it yeah. referred to so i mean like bef- even before you watch this film, yeah so yeah i think there's a scene that's going home a lot as well Mm. I think yeah, yeah. Uh. but like what's interesting is that we don't see how difficult it is to give up yeah um the first time yeah he yeah. gives up and uh, we only see it yeah the second time well the first time we see the buckets and we see the pawn and <laughs> so on so mm-hmm. forth him getting ready but like we don't see it that's true yeah and uh, yeah because the first time Essentially, it's just for humor's sake in terms of like introducing all these elements, and then yeah. he's immediately ripped the door down as soon as he sealed himself in to go and get like one more hit, and then and I guess he has a suppository as well that time, so he's kind of like still sort of high, maybe not yeah. heroin. So it's probably not kind of like because that's the big thing is like he keeps asking his parents, "Well, just give me this, or give me this, or give me this." And they're like, "No, you're just you're gonna go hard clean, Stone like cold. nothing yeah. whatsoever." Yeah. And where does that lead you to? Bingo, <laughs> leads you to bing sitting in bingo, <laughs> surrounded by yeah. people. Um, but again, I think they get away with it because of the smart use of the O in this film. Mm. Like because he's constantly walking you through everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Time can pass easier. And a scene of someone coming off drugs. Because the problem with someone coming off drugs in film is it's ostensibly boring. Because ostensibly it's just it's fucking days or weeks or months or you know of nothing really happening and them just yeah. freaking out. And there's only mm. so many. If you've seen it once before in a film, it's like well, how many times do you want to see someone sweating in a bed, screaming? Yeah panicking begging for stuff like going through all of the different you know With stages mm. yeah um and i think this one's you know quick enough because of the vo that it's even having seen it tons of times and seen it in other films now it's not boring still it's still effective um okay so then mark moves down to london um basically because he is not girlfriend but whatever you want to call her because kelly mcdonald comes back into his life mm-hmm and so just uh, look at you laughing. <laughs> the source of all good in this movie. Okay. You call her name in such a loving manner. <laughs> She's a wonderful lady. Um, so she suggests that, yeah, he does something different with his life, makes the point of he's getting old, which makes me feel really old because he looks crazy <laughs> young in this film. Mm. Although he looks so different from how he did in Child of Grave. Like, mm. not just with the haircut, with the long but with hair. his face. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, they have that. He's like pale and they have like the orange. The sunken kind of eyes yeah. and mm. stuff. Yeah. Um, but what's he meant? Do you think he's maybe like 24 or something is how he got him in this? Or is he younger? Do you th- I mean, older, do you think? I think early 20s. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Early to, yeah, early 20s. It's not like even at that right. point, no, she's like, you're out of touch. Things are changing. Sex <laughs> is changing. Music's changing. Yeah, when you're 15, like 20-year-old was yeah. an old person. When he's 24, it's almost a 10-year difference. It's true. Um, so he moves to London mm-hmm. in a weird montage of touristy London shops. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I remember at the time thinking were quite cool. Now it's like, it just looks like some dude went out with a camera. What did they call the, uh, the 
party queens and kings? No, no. Yeah, is it party I think queen so. And king? The, you know those like people, people in those. Oh, clothes. the beef eaters. Not no. beef eaters. No, no, not the beef eaters. Think they're called pearl kings, queens. Yep. Oh, the one in the red robe. Not red. No, black no. With like, Is it black? Okay. With like the 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 people who vo- voluntarily become these these kind of town greeters. Oh, okay. And they've got like studs and like diamonds on their yeah. coat. Uh, I think Someone, you're the Brit. I think they're <laughs> called yeah, party queens. I think kings. so. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking the same. Um, I yeah. used to see them like when I first came here. They were still around in London, but n- n- nowadays I don't see them at all. <laughs> They're not greeting you anymore, Tamara. Oh, <laughs> You've been here. I think they got too They're old. Over it. To <laughs> but we're all just waving at the camera in this segment, which I find a little bit strange. It yeah, took, it's it took weird. me out for a couple of yeah. seconds, and it goes mm. on quite a while actually. That little montage. Yeah. Um. Then he moves to London. So you feel like you're getting near the end of the movie at this point. Yeah. Are you kind of? Is that what you want from Renan though? Do you want like? you know with that kind of getting out from everything getting away from his friends like moving on with his life and just becoming clean is that really what you're hoping for for these characters that's what i mean it's kind of weird you're enjoying that how fucked up their lives are in a weird way and i feel it's hard to write a narrative then where it's like well what's the ending for that where we've worked hard at making you enjoy how horrible their lives are <laughs> but then you have to have a resolution to that in some way it's weird because you're rooting i mean for me i was rooting for him to get better and get sober and move on but then once that happens and he is sober you wonder how the guys are going to come back into their into his life and what's going to happen and if he's going to get back on it or if he's just going to give him a come to jesus meeting and <laughs> all of a sudden all of them are going to be, be sober up. and they're going to go back to the mountains and be happy but yeah the second they kind of entered back into his life i was like no he's going to I'll get back into it. Mm. And then he stole all their money. <laughs> <laughs> so. What do you think is the time span for this film? It, does it get mentioned? No. In my head, it's like a year. Like yeah, it does feel like about a year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it feels like it. But, but like you don't, don't really see seasons. Exactly. You don't see no. like, no. yeah. Costume change. I think they're quite particular about that as well. Yeah. Make sure you don't have a grasp on time. Because again, I think that's probably the headspace of a lot of them is time's irrelevant. Mm. Um, particularly with the baby you see it like crawling around all the time and then suddenly it's very very dead like, yeah, exactly. not, not, yeah. not freshly dead like very dead yeah, yeah. Mm. and that would have been you know weeks of yeah. Other stuff. So, yeah um yeah then you have um yeah so like you were alluding to Alison they all start to come down to London and intrude on his life again and you kind of and I think it's a dynamic that you need you need to like be hoping okay he's not going to be lured back into it all and stuff mm-hmm. um have yeah the great scene where they go back out to a club again because they win some money and i like the bit of dialogue with the 1000 years from now there will be no guys and no girls just wankers <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was a great line um and then when they're off to do their uh, drug deal um there's like a abbey road style shot as well yeah the the crossing the road yeah i love the russians yeah oh yeah so we have the return of hugo from shallow grave um, the that's the writer the is that the writer yeah who was the r- no that oh, no, was no, the no. deputy oh, policeman oh right right okay the, okay yeah so yeah so the guy who dies in shallow grave and leave and accidentally leaves right. the money yeah he's the drug dealer in this one right um, which I thought was interesting which people he brought back from shallow grave and which ones he didn't because he only brings back Ewan and this guy 
Mm-hmm. Um, none of the other actors. And considering there's so many roles in this movie, you think he might have given some of them to them. Maybe they're horrible people. <laughs> maybe they were busy. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, and I have written down here endearing awkwardness. That's kind of like, this was the point where I was like, even everything that they're doing, even though he's going back into a horrible kind of life, not maybe not quite as bad as it was before, but mm-hmm. I think that's the pervading feeling that I have for other films. Like, there's just an endearing awkwardness to everybody in it. Like, mm-hmm. everyone's just fumbling through and you know kind of the roads that they're on for the most part. And it's just something, yeah, endearing about the way they portray all of that. Um, and I was getting, yeah, into the themes like we are talking about from the beginning, like obviously money and desperation and friends and trust and just the company that we keep. It seemed to be the same with Shallow Grave in a way. It's like they were all a bad influence on each other. Mm-hmm. And with this film as well, it's like at any point that he's not around his friends, he does okay, yeah. <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he's back involved with his friends again, he's on a downward spiral. And it's the same for each of them. And I'm just fascinated what that kind of messaging is for Danny Boyle if that's like something he's purposely interested in or if he even knows that he's talking about it that much at this point in his career or mm. or if that's his only experience with friendship <laughs> which makes me <it> very sad <laughs> <laughs> it might be him. though <laughs> um, and then we get to the end and he steals the money and we're left with Spud looking all sad and yeah. mm. but he leaves in 2000 mm. so everything's okay it did feel like the whole movie was sort of made for that moment when he's Wondering whether he should just take it and run. Yeah. Mm. At a pub. Yeah. At the pub. Is it a pub? Yeah. 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 Like, I think it's mainly because they cut the music completely, completely when that was happening. But mm-hmm. like, it just felt really like okay, so that's the moment they were working up towards. Yeah. Then, and I think it's also he still doesn't make the choice to run. Well, he makes <laughs> it, but yeah. he makes it. Yeah, he makes it. I want to say smarter. I don't know if taking the bag out of Begbie's hand while he's sleeping is a smarter way to do it. <laughs> yeah. But he does it slightly smarter than just mm. grabbing it from the pub and running. And I think you're mm. right. I think that's like... I think the, the cool thing with a movie is that there's not a huge message to it. Mm. But it is that he has grown, but he's grown just this much. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, for a yeah. while he had grown this much, mm-hmm. but then he sort of came back down and he's somewhere like in the middle. And mm-hmm. the old him, yeah, would have just grabbed it in the pub and just run. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how it would have been. It's just this impetuous, like, spontaneity. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas he was smart enough to get, think about it a little bit, make mm-hmm. a decision and wait till everyone was sleeping and then leave the money for Spud and be a little bit more planned out with yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because they make the point of showing, here's the test of heroin, which you're then, okay, here we go again. And then he needs another hit, so he does that in the bus, you think. But mm-hmm. they actually show him do it? Because they show him taking yeah, it out. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. they show him actually injecting yeah, it. Yeah, we see it, okay. yeah. And then they don't talk about that again, which I find mm. a really interesting decision in the film, like considering it's very much, you know, heroin sure is like the overarching thing for all the metaphors and the themes they want mm-hmm. to talk about. But heroin is the big thing that they're talking about in the film and how that is for an addict. And it's suddenly reintroduced into his life and then they don't mention it again. They don't, there's no line at the end of maybe I'll have another hit tomorrow or I don't you know, need another hit or whatever. Like there's no hint of it whatsoever, mm. which, yeah, I can't decide if that's smart or not. Like, I think it's, it's something that I kind of feel I want to know as a character, like where has he been left mentally with that part of his life? Like, is there something mm-hmm. to do with the fact that um, one bag of 
the powder was lighter than the other one by like five grams no or it was more like 90.1 and then 90.5 or something oh when yeah, they measure yeah. it twice you mean is that because he already tested, tested some. it yeah he tested some right but yeah. maybe he's taken some yeah i don't know how much five mm. grams is five grams Will that, get you, will that get you, get you high for a while, Tamara? By the look <laughs> of how much they put on the spoon, that's like one gram or 1.5. Okay, so there might be a few yeah. extra mm. hits that you took. Is yeah. That, so that might be implying that. Yeah. I think. Mm. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know enough about drugs. No. <laughs> I'm just looking at the spoon. And <laughs> sure. Right <laughs> um, um, but yeah, how... And like he does say he wants to be you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The viewers. I'm going to be mm, yeah. you. I'm yeah. going to be the... Yeah. Was it games? Does that mean that he, in T2, is he going to be... <laughs> no, that's what I'm generally interested about. And yeah. <laughs> and in a weird way, like, that's what I'm really hoping from Trainspotting 2 is that they do deal with different themes with the same people yeah. rather than trying to get back to, you know, the same things that they did so well in this one. It's like... I don't care if they're talking about completely different things as long, you know, uh, and it's, they're middle-aged now. And yeah, mm -hmm. like I, I hope that maybe he's become boring and I hope that he's dealing with depression from a different place or, you know, addiction from a different place. Yeah. And the one thing that gives me hope from the trailers is there's a great light and line. And I think about it quite a bit actually, which is, okay, you're an addict, just be addicted to something else. And I love mm -hmm. that idea of like getting to that point in your life and realizing, yeah, you, you do have a problem and you can't get over it by being like everybody else. You just have to, refocus it in a different path mm -hmm. and in a different way and um so yeah that's what i'm hoping from t2 what i'm hoping for is that it's not going to be one of those movies they go we are old but we've still got some yanking us and we can still do certain things and blah, blah, yeah. blah. I, that, that'll be amazing. Amazing. i think that's what i mean i don't yeah. want it to try to be young and youthful yeah mm. exactly. i don't want it to recapture what this did i want it to be something different yeah, yeah. yeah. i heard that it's very nostalgic yeah so I'm let's sure. see let's i'm sure see. Mm. Um, and the soundtrack does look good as with all Danny Boyle films so that's what we mm. were talking about Shallow Grave the, the um, score was all over the place some good bits some horrible bits in my opinion but there were some great like yeah old fashioned old mm -hmm. school songs in it this one's all contemporary stuff at the time um, he was doing his clubby thing again that he did at the mm -hmm. beginning of Shallow Grave he does there was a couple of classic music as well classic yeah music. you got classic yes, day yeah. well not, not like classic <laughs> as in not, not classic but like classical classical yeah, oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that's true that's true. Yeah. Snam Dog has really good music as well. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, music. no, all yeah. his films do have great music. Um, and this one at the time, I was obsessed with the soundtrack. It's got a great pulp yeah. song, good Blur song. Yeah, the Lou Reed "Perfect Day" was actually it was the way, embarrassingly, I think my generation was introduced to the song "Perfect Day" through this film. Interesting. Um, all right. Anything else we want to say before we do our roundups and our feelings? We, mm, no. Any other notes you got? We didn't really discuss about the baby scene, but that's I true. guess that's maybe <laughs> better left. Better. Very good makeup. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because there's no CGI in this movie that I can spot. Mm. I mean, it was just as CGI, I guess, was starting to happen in movies. Because right. uh, Forrest Gump had a bunch, and that was 94, wasn't it? 95. Mm -hmm. So it was around that time where it could have been CGI. I didn't notice anything yeah. in the movie. I think everything was practical. Mm -hmm. Probably. Um, and that baby, that, yeah. That's a creepy looking baby. Yeah. And it's interesting that they decide to use a more surreal baby for the ceiling. Right, that right. Looks yeah. more fake kind of yeah. thing than the actual creepy little. Yeah. Because no, I, I remember that scene very well. And 
you know, even though I was expecting it, it's still like, yeah, it was still gut-wrenchingly horrible Oof. and sad. So it's the girl's acting as well. It's her screaming. Yeah, her screaming in the background the entire yeah. time. And then just that somber VO of like she could have been screaming for days. Like, yeah, we yeah. We don't know. <laughs> no one's like, good. yeah, no one's been responding to her. And then oh, just it gives me the chills. <laughs> I know, it's horrible. And then Rem uh. Boy just um. Yeah, shouting like "say something, say something." And yeah, like, I'm sick go. boy. Yeah. You keep sick saying boy. "rent boy." <laughs> rent boy's a character in something. Who's, I think rent. Who's I think he from um, Bugby calls rent and rent boy. Oh, at does some he? Point when he asks for a cigarette or something. Okay, that has a very different meaning. What rent boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> rent boy is a male prostitute. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, There's no mention of. Um, Oh, he is called, yeah, he's called Renboy. Mark is called, uh, Ewan McGregor's role is called Renboy. Oh, is oh really? Oh, okay. oh. That's why I'm getting confused. There's no mention of uh, the um, music director. Huh. Oh, the composer. Composer, yeah. I don't know if there was any. That's what mm. I mean. I've listened so, to like, it was full on soundtrack. Yeah. I think, yeah. The yeah. whole time. Um, I couldn't hear any score in that. No, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just the editor and Danny Ball picking like yeah, songs. Yeah, it must yeah. be. And it's hard to say. It's really hard to like convey to anyone who wasn't around in the mid '90s, like that this was the these exact two years were the years where soundtrack was becoming a thing. Like soundtrack had always been important in film, but it was always about score, and it was really MTV, and then this film, Train Spotting, and then Tarantino. Um, with his stuff and actually weirdly the crow like they were the films that had these number one selling soundtracks based on music like pre-existing songs rather than yes yeah, score and mm. stuff like that and it changed everything so this was like one of the first ones for the uk for sure mm -hmm. where it was like all these songs all the artists you love doing new tracks for this movie mm. and um, yeah, I noticed that the editor was the same guy as the um, Shallow Grave was yes, it? Japanese, yeah. Japanese yeah. name and uh, he's done so many movies since then yeah 28 days later oh yeah uh, the beach so most of the they work together on it. Yeah. Also, but Sh shallow grave was his first one interesting mm. yeah then train spotting wow well he does they all learn a lot in a year they really <laughs> did yeah yeah and he's currently doing breathe no song to sing like he's doing two right now like he's, he's mm. so popular yeah. okay yeah um all right so Alison, your first time with this movie. Yes. We're getting you like Spud. Yep. We're getting some things affected <laughs> you and fan. made you feel a little bit sick about stuff. Yep. Spud, sorry, sorry, sorry to intervene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spud means potato. Oh, yeah. Yes, for the non... <laughs> yeah. For the non-potato fans. Non-potato fans. Okay, sorry, carry on. Um, Fun fact. <laughs> how was the movie for you, Ali? What were your overall feelings? Um, it's hard because it it has comedy but it also just makes you feel horrible at the same time versus shallow grave has comedy but they're just shitty people they're not necessarily i mean they killed people so i guess yeah they have things to overcome but for this it's like it's just so much i guess it's harder dealing with addiction or maybe it's just harder to watch um with the screaming and with the withdrawal scenes I don't know. You don't know it's how you very, feel about it? No, I, I enjoyed it. And it's it's hard. It's weird using a word like enjoy for mm -hmm. something like this, where it like it just makes you feel sad for people. But it, I mean, that's 
the point of it I'm assuming is to get to you and make you feel something whether it's that or whether it's I'm gonna go try heroin now because it's better than any orgasm I've ever had um but that is the question is I think what is the point like yeah. does Danny Boyle know what the point that he's trying to say because they don't they don't deal with it's not a movie about moving on from addiction it just shows you them doing it mm-hmm. for the majority of it and then you see his big scene in his bedroom where he's going through withdrawals and is just cut off, you know, stone cold, which is powerful and it gets to you and it gets its point across. But it's and the whole movie isn't based on this is how hard it is to move on from drugs. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a whole mix of things. Cause I feel like the, in that beginning VO from him. Mm-hmm. they do a very good job of convincing you your life is shit <laughs> your life is boring it's <laughs> yeah. predictable like everybody else you're just like farming your way through making children going to your job and you're miserable and i don't want to be a part of that mm-hmm. so there's this kind of good job at the beginning of making things oh yeah <laughs> like <laughs> i want something else for your life you're but then right. at the end he's going to i want to be like you yeah and it's kind of weird to know well, what are we meant to be left feeling from this like are you meant to be left feeling like like because it seems the healthy message is where you can be something different but you don't have to be addicted to heroin (laughs) to not be a part of that cycle um so yeah i get what you're saying it's a weird emotional space yeah Mm. yeah would you recommend the film though you like it yeah i would okay do you want to give it a rough score on a 20 point system i think i'll give it a 7 to 7.5 7 to 7.5 wow interesting so it's a little you like it a little bit more yeah than shallow grave it just immediately got my attention more than Shallow Grave. Okay. Haruka. Oh, yes. Hi. Overall feelings. How are you feeling returning to this film now? Um, still love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's still great. It hasn't aged much. Um, I mean, you can see that it's from the 90s and stuff, but it's not. it hasn't. Um, that's not a bad thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's still exciting and bold and a great style yeah 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 <laughs> seem, your words sound enthusiastic but you do <laughs> just uh, to balance it out you know what would you give it then oh i don't know because i think stylistically i think it's a it's a great film and it is a kind of film that i would want to make mm-hmm. if i was a filmmaker um so i'd probably give it Nine, maybe. Nine from Haruka. High score. Mm-hmm. My only, the only downside for me is that it doesn't like have a very clear, I mean, it doesn't have to have a message, but it doesn't, mm-hmm. it's not going to affect me as a person. Yeah. Um, you yes. feel like you should come out of a movie like that, think rethinking your life. Yeah. But unless you're addicted to heroin, I don't know how much it makes me want to rethink my life. Yeah. It's more about like knowing how difficult it is to get out from the, society you are born into which is like really low low class mm-hmm. in a mm. big city like edinburgh mm. you know uh so for me it's less about the drugs it's more about like how to get yourself out from it sure yeah so but that doesn't personally really affect me it's kind of interesting to s- know that world does exist yeah. mm-hmm. but that's kind of about like yeah. like it's it feels like going to a zoo, you know which is not a nice thing to say, but it's kind of... Yeah, just like peering into yeah. a different world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dipping in and out of someone else's yeah, life. Yeah. 
It is, it is I again this is one of those movies we always talk about where people make depressing movies about different portions of people and it's never gonna be watched by that portion of people. Mm. Like how many people True. living in a slum in Edinburgh addicted to heroin are gonna watch train spotting right. for entertainment? Like it's <laughs> so it's just kind of it's for different yeah, people where maybe how you relate that to your life is yeah, debatable, I think. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 with you. Like the other themes of I think it's more cautionary about yeah getting trapped in your cycle of friends as well as your yeah. environment and yeah. the influences in your life and um but yeah but again i think now this is the first time i have noticed it fails a little bit at not showing you yeah there's different ways to get out from mm. the boredom mm. that mm. you don't want to be a part of you know um stealing sixteen thousand pounds is one way <laughs> yeah, but one you don't way. really know what his intentions are even with that you yeah know? Mm. i don't think he knows yeah yeah but he doesn't need 16,000. He seemed to be doing okay in London and 4,000 would have been fine for him just to like prop him up. But, but he gets a like, passport, so he... He still keeps his passport. It definitely yeah. implies that he went He's somewhere foreign. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, because so. that was the weird thing yeah. for me. It's like, he, he must know taking that much money is they're going to try and follow him. But then yeah. obviously they get caught by the police. But you feel like Begbie, even after like five years in jail, is going to still get out and yeah. come yeah. up. Yeah. And find you. But I guess we'll find out. Yes, we shall. Uh, do you want to give it a score, Tam Rosen? Or are you, since you're a guest in this Did you podcast? Did you give it a nine? Out of what? Ten, ten. but we do point fives. 20 point scale on out of ten. I'd say six. Six? Tough, man. Fucking hell. <laughs> wow. I'm writing that down just for posterity. <laughs> six from Tanro for train spotting. Wow. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I'm with Eureka. Like, this is, I think it's, crazy bold filmmaking um i think the acting's fantastic i think the music's fantastic i think the editing's brilliant i think there's lots of great ideas in it um there's a couple of bits which i'm not as keen on now as i was maybe when i was younger um but yeah there's some films i've been going back to a lot of films now that came out you know when i was a teenager or in my early 20s that were really important then and come back to them now it's interesting which ones have changed how they affect you or changed how energetic or interesting they seem and this one, I really felt still had the energy. I thought it really had the entertainment value still. Um, so yeah, I'd give it a hard nine for sure. Um, and I'd come back to it later to see if I would even go higher than that or not, to be honest. But mm. I love that movie. Love it, love it, love it. So much so that it is now 8 p.m. We're watching Trainspotting 2 in an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> We're going to go and meet some friends. Get your t-shirt on. Keep some food. I'm going to get my skin-tight orange t-shirt on. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. The next one will be out on Wednesday, number three, where we'll be discussing A Life Less Ordinary, also starring Ewan McGregor yet again. Because <laughs> you can't get enough of him, apparently. This time, I think he's got like a blonde quiff from this one, hasn't he? Making out with Cameron Diaz. Yes. He's always got different hair. He yeah. yeah. The versatile actor, him. He can do it all. <laughs> His hair can do yeah. anything. <laughs> Um, yeah if you go onto iTunes if you type in we are geeks on iTunes we'll pop up and if you can subscribe to us that would be great we have a weekly topical podcast that comes out every Tuesday which deals with video games it deals with movies releases and all that shit um, Tamara's a regular on that Alison's a bit of a regular now that you're stuck with me in the UK for a bit here I am <laughs> <Rooker floats laughs> in and out um, we also have an LA side because we're a production house uh, we make movies we make music we do other fun things and we are based out of LA what we're other based... fun things I'm not involved in that that's not for you to know <laughs> based out of LA based out of Tokyo and based out of London which is where we are right now yay London um, <laughs> if you go to we are tessellate 
wearetessellate2s2ls.com. You can branch out to all our social medias. You can branch out to you know our YouTube channel and subscribe over there. We have videos that go up there um, sporadically, um, but they come. <laughs> and you can also watch our short films over there. We just finished shooting our first ever feature film called Starfish, and we'll have a new Starfish Diaries up soon where we'll fill you in on the nightmare it is of making your first movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not all the nightmare. But a little, a little thin slice of cake. <laughs> um, I'm Mr. Al White on all the social medias. If you want to talk to me about anything and movies, I like a good discussion. Tamara, how can people talk to you? Just Tamara Ishida. Just Tamara Ishida yeah, or just, Tamara Ishida? No, Tamara Ishida. You're like just William. <laughs> uh, Ali? I am Ali Sue. A-L-L-Y. S-U-E. S-U-E, thank you. Haruka. I'm Haruka Abe. H-A-R-U-K-A-A-B-E. That should be searchable on most... SNS stuff. That's true. La- yeah, um, last week's podcast, we read out some of your tweets. Oh, yeah. yeah. We should do that next time. It was fun. Mm. We'll, <laughs> next time. Uh, we'll be Mean back tweets. next Wednesday. Until then, we're out. Bye. Bye. Bye.